Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to the Pro Wrestling Post podcast on this week's show. In WWE news, Retribution has its true leader in mind, in body, and in soul, and his name is Mustafa Ali. That, and we also discuss the upcoming WWE draft, who goes where. In AEW news, Cody reclaims the TNT Championship, and the number one contenders tournament for the AEW World Championship is on the way. All that and more. Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to the Pro Wrestling Post podcast. How are we all? This is Mark Blake. I am your host. And as always, I'm with my buddies from across the pond. I have Mr. Pete and I have Mr. Mark. How are we, guys? Been, it's been a pretty good week, despite it being hectic. There's so much going on. Yeah, we, we've got... Our, uh, in our neck of the woods, it's going to be a Thanksgiving or holiday weekend. So, you know, we're going to give thanks, stuff our faces. Maybe watch any sports are available. It's crazy how all sports are all intertwined around the same time. Weird. I'm glad you brought up sports because as we're recording this on a Thursday evening slash afternoon for you guys, I'm watching, well not watching, I have the, the soccer slash football in the background because England, my, my country, my team are playing against Wales. So that's all in the background. If I suddenly start screaming, much like I said last week with Spurs, uh, it's because of that. So I, I apologise from the off. Uh, so let's just jump straight into things. Um, in the open there. Mark spoke about a very big week in WWE that's going to change possibly the course of the company, along with something else, another storyline that could change the course of the company. Mark, can you uh, expand on that a little bit more? Sure. Um, So we started off with Retribution, which for listeners of the show have been wondering that we feel that it's dying its death. There's not been the continuity Somebody gets sick. We can't follow it. Why would we care? Blah, blah. And then they flipped the switch. Um, not only did they make us see things differently, we never saw it coming in the slightest. Mustafa Ali as the leader of Retribution. Wow. Um, thoughts on that initially on everyone's part? Um, you know, we when we looked at the lead in an, earlier on in the show... Ali continued to say, I want you one-on-one, as he's saying this to to MVP and his cronies or the rest of the Hurt Business. And at that point, we're thinking, wow, you know, he's he's going to want to settle the score, show a mono-e-mono, everything that has been reflective of the Mustafa character, only to know, no, it was just all a big setup. Pete, what do you think? The way Retribution positioned themselves... When they gave us their uh, their goals, their manifesto, I got the feeling that this was going to be different from every other invading faction in that they weren't necessarily going to have one leader, that one guy that they would rally around, because then it's the because then it's too easy for the whole house of cards to fall down. I thought they were going to try to do things more democratically. Like, there's no one leader of Retribution. It's just the five of them making decisions together. Kind of like the S.H.I.E.L.D. did, really. Because there wasn't one who who led the S.H.I.E.L.D. I mean, Dean held the microphone and did lots of the talking. But he wasn't 
he wasn't like clearly the leader. And for it to be Mustafa Ali seems like a swerve just for the sake of a swerve. Yeah. Like like you have Retribution as this anti-authority group with with shades of of Antifa and kind of speaking to that segment of the populace that feels like they're like they're not getting what they deserve and also speaking to the segment of society that believes the other half are terrifying and to put Mustafa Ali a former police officer as the head of this I don't want to say anarchist but I don't really know how else to put it to have him as the the head of the figure the the lead figure of this anarchist group seems to be at odds not only with what retribution is setting out to do but also with who Ali is as a person they're very much blurring the lines of uh, of reality there because it's 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 gone on record how much of a good dude Mustafa Ali is as you said there he's an ex ex police officer he's uh, he's done things for fans when he was going through the the light up mask phase I remember him giving away a few of his masks to some kids that were I think they were life limited and he was just so nice and then like you said to flip the switch and now he's the leader of this hill stable and it was all him all along <sighs> so was it, was... was it was it really as you said a, a, a swerve for swerve's sake so was he always the hacker was he the well, one what, sitting behind that's the what they're gonna tie it to aren't they they're gonna yeah. the mm. wwe uncle vince and the rest of them are gonna say ha well, this was the plan all along. We told you to, to stay with it and, you know, follow the course. But even though when Retribution turned up, people were saying, oh, this is this is Ali. This is this is his job. This is his work. And nothing was said. There was no direction. It wasn't even the hintest, the slightest hint even, of Mustafa Ali being involved in Retribution right at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, this they've pulled the rug from underneath us and they said, ha ha, see, this was it all along. <laughs> was it was it really i mean come on i'm not that much of a of a mug although i have ex-girlfriends who tell me otherwise but never mind but what about you two do you, do you are you down with that it reminds me of one of one of the great uh video game frauds uh in in the history of the medium uh mark maybe you'll remember this it was a game called hair razor mm-hmm. and uh it was it was kind of a follow-on to that, like, search for the golden hair. That I can't remember what the book was called. Masquerade. Anyway, so Hair Razor was this game that supposedly had clues to the location of this very valuable piece of art, and if you were able to solve it, you could you could go and and find this this priceless quote unquote priceless treasure. Eventually, they came to the conclusion that the clues in the video game were pointless. <laughs> they made up something that they could then pull out and say oh this was the answer the whole time uh no one was clever enough to figure it out guess we get to keep all the money that these people spent on this game and the prize that we'd been offering for whoever finds the solution and we get to walk away with a bunch of money and so it just seems like like yeah mustafa ali was just this was just this thing they had in their back pocket that they could pull out and say here we yeah we planned this this yeah. was this was the idea the whole time. We're doing long term booking. Why are you Why are you booing us? <laughs> yeah, it, it, as you said, it it feels like he was he was the ace they had in up their sleeve, just in case the, us fans 
and advertisers and network execs didn't quite see what WWE were doing. That's what it smells like to me. To the to the average fan, I mean, the fans that they're catering for, it's like, oh my god, what a shock! You know, this is turned their heads upside down because Ali was your typical white meat babyface. But to everyone else, <laughs> it's like, oh, really? Come on. I I know you're probably neither. I'm getting the sense from both of you, not really fans of it. I I think if they're trying to push something different and the idea is trying to have a leader that you would less likely have expected to be in that role. Is it change just for the sake of change? Probably, probably, but maybe it's the optimism in me or the optimistic fan that just hopes that in giving this, we, we ask for new roles and different people in different positions. Why can't we have that for someone like Ali who was a prominent cruiserweight and successful in that, but to think of where his character was as part of 205 Live and when he first came in to now a couple years later to being shuffled around on and off on SmackDown to potentially being here and actually seemingly having direction. I if, kind of like this... it. I kind of like it actually because if I see this... where he was to where he is. And and that's maybe the where I we we and the same could be said about Cedric Alexander being used a little more prominently. It always freshens things up. If there's anything good to come out of this, it would be to elevate Mustafa Ali and the rest of Retribution to at least what upper mid card. That's maybe that's that's the positives. The negatives is what you've just said. We've seen this story before. We wanted something different, and we've already we've they they gave us the hey we're an anarchist group, but we've got someone on the inside, and that person is ha ha it's Mustafa Ali. Uh, it's done. Bit, we know we go on about what's old is new, but sometimes when it's been overplayed so many times, aces and eights back in TNA, mm. exactly the same storyline, and they had the someone on the inside, and it was oh look it was it was Bully Ray all along, and ah. Oh, I just, just want something different. Or don't use the sodding storyline for 10, 15 years and then bring it back. A la, you know, Rey Mysterio and Dominic again. But let's not go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> what about you, Pete? And you say you say that this has the, the potential to elevate not only Retribution, but Mustafa Ali. I, I got to counter with the fact that all of that can just as easily be wiped away. Because yeah. we've seen that happen with Wade Barrett and everyone else in the Nexus, practically. Like, really, I think the only one to come out of the Nexus and and really stick around was is Daniel Bryan. And that was only because everybody got behind him. So either this is a case of everybody gets behind Mustafa Ali and Retribution and they become kind of like a staple of the roster for, the years, for years to come, or they just kind of flounder at Survivor Series or whenever this, this storyline is bound to wrap up. And, you know, we see them float around the mid-card like everyone else. It's it's looking like Hurt Business against Retribution at Survivor Series, personally. <clears throat> but, um, again... So who do could... you add? Who do you add to Hurt Business? Are they a, they're a squad of four now? Yeah. Yeah, there's four of them now. Yeah, there's four of them. So they so could... Then... Yeah, they could... What, Apollo Crews could come across? Ricochet? I mean... You know, the my enemy. No, was it for the greater good? Yeah. The, yeah, yeah. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah. So that could work, but 
again, unless retribution goes over in dominant fashion, but then in the same, as Pete's just put, in the same way, you're hurting Hurt Business, who were on the up through Raw Underground and the turn of Sedgwick. They were being featured quite prominently. So you're going to damage someone or one group along the way. Yeah, really. I, I can't see I can't see a, a situation where nobody walks away with less. Mm. So let's go back to where we were in episode one i asked you both a question how do we feel about retribution now again i'm gonna say the same question again but knowing what we know now how do we feel about retribution are we cautiously optimistic or are we just like yeah passe i think that they had several opportunities to really get me invested and they really only knocked it out of the park on one occasion and that was when retribution laid out their their aims and then they followed that up with terrible masks horrible nicknames and now they followed that up with a, a disappointing reveal as the leader i i said i probably said something along the lines of i didn't have much hope for it and here i am months later feeling very much the same way right mark i know you're mr optimistic but um how are you come on like, well no and and I see everything that Pete's saying. The masks are awful. The names are terrible. The concept had has potential, but then the execution and things just haven't come through. But this is where I guess we kind of get divided. And I'm excited about what the potential of having Mustafa Ali in a leadership role to leading this faction means. That said, there is also the 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 fear in how the perception of having someone um, that is a specific culture reflected in a role where terrorism or hijacking, and those words I use very loosely because unfortunately it's the these are the words that commentators use, putting, uh, describing something, and then not thinking that people are smart enough that you put somebody that's not unfortunately but is that culture uh, that religion which is there's nothing wrong with that where the stigma will be reattached to that unfortunately that's yeah. the problem that's the concern i have with having him not because i have any concern with him as a performer as an athlete or even his culture and i don't even want to go down the left lane because i'm afraid of oncoming traffic i'm afraid of what this talented athlete performer might face the retribution of people's attacks are unjustly yeah we, if that we, sounds fair before before we we came on air folks we we discussed this mark dropped this bombshell to on on us well not really a bombshell it was to me because i hadn't actually thought about that point of view at all all i saw was our oh, leader's leader of, of retribution i didn't even see the connotations it, it it could throw at us. I'm slightly nervous that you could be right. That there's going to be a percentage. Hopefully, a if there is a percentage, it's going to be bloody small. But there's going to be a small percentage of say, "Ha, huh, see, he's he's Muslim. He's this. He's that. He's everything that's wrong with the world." Blah 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 blah. I really hope that don't happen. I is really this, sincerely hope. It, could this run the risk of being a Muhammad Hassan? scenario no i don't think 
because they they used lynching and they used all of that and they were wearing black masks and it wasn't such a wrong thing to do that to that poor kid you know if i remember rightly that wasn't long after 9 11 yeah. Could so, it be? Oh no, that the that was even closer to uh the seven seven bombing London. Seven, yeah, seven, in uh, London, wasn't oh, there? Oh that's right, seven seven yeah. 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 And uh yeah, he, he got he got canned for that and sent on his way for no fault of his own. But I don't think no. I don't think that kind of vitriol is gonna be headed towards Ali this time. I reckon it's going to be more of the online hate. You know what? It's, the whole society has changed now. Once you get online, you're anonymous. You can say whatever you want and throw whatever shade and, and crap at people as much as you want because you're not going to get any back. That's what I think he's going to get. At the moment, there's no fans going in, so I don't think he's going to get any mm. heat, so to speak, from in, in a, an arena. But uh, I'm hoping that... I, I, I like to see the best in people, and I'm hoping that people can see this is a bloody storyline. This is nothing to do with real life. That this is just a piece of entertainment, and he is a goddamn character playing a sodding role. That's all I'm hoping for. So, Mark, you didn't actually answer the question. Are you, you, you are quietly hopeful, then. Yeah, I'm quietly hopeful. I mean, but then, in saying that, this could all blow up, and things change... Starting, I guess, as we're recording this tomorrow night. Oh, look at you with a segue. Yeah. Last week, it's you this week. Wow. Boom, shakalaka. <laughs> good, good. Segue. As boom goes the dynamite. <laughs> as uh, as Marcus so eloquently <laughs> put there, it's uh, WWE draft time. I, when was the last draft? Was it about a year ago? Uh, the shake they didn't don't yeah. count. Yeah, they didn't call the, it the shake ups. Don't count. Yeah. So this is um. This was announced a few weeks ago that a draft was going to happen and it's going to be split over two nights. So SmackDown's night is tomorrow night as of recording and then Raw is on Monday. And an hour ago, the lovely Ryan Satin in his new role at Fox Sports uh, posted the draft pool and rules. Now, there's a ton of people in each pool that we're not going to go over because it's just it will spend half the pod talking about it. Um... But the rules are... Let me run through the rules. It says more than 60 male superstars, female superstars, and tag teams. Since uh, SmackDown is a two-hour show and Raw is a three-hour show, for every two picks SmackDown has, Raw will get three. Tag teams will still count as one pick unless Fox or USA, in conjunction with WWE officials, want to pick one superstar from the team, i.e. split the team. You can see that happening with quite a few people. And any undrafted superstars will immediately be declared free agents and be able to sign with the brand of their choosing. That is it. So, let's just circle back a bit. Retribution. Are they going to split them up? Not in the middle no. of this storyline. No. Can I throw something at you that popped into my Go head as Mark was talking then? Could we see Retribution split onto both sides and be like a virus and take over both brands. That requires long-term booking. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, Vince! Ah, oh, that does indeed. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think that through. Damn it. Well, I mean, it, I think the potential in doing that makes sense because then the virus is infected everywhere, right? If it includes NXT, do they split three ways? In, indeed, yeah. I mean, NXT wasn't wasn't um, wasn't mentioned. 
It's just saying a SmackDown and Raw two. draft. They they yeah. named they named Arturo Ruas from NXT as uh, as available in, in the draft pool, uh, ah. but he's only available to he's only available to Raw. Or no, he's is that because to be, of uh, Raw? He's, he's able to be drafted on Monday night because they split. Yeah, the... yeah. So he, he him along with like Dabakato, you've got mm. Eric of the Viking Raiders. So they're obviously splitting up because obviously one of them's injured. Yeah. Uh, who else is there? I can see. So Retribution, all of them are on. Will be picked on Monday. Uh, I can't really see any NXT talent, which yeah, was really just Arturo Ruas. Yeah, it really, really is. That's strange. Maybe Triple H has put his foot down and said, "You're not having my boys and girls." Wonders have never ceased. So, my 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 storyline is obviously too highbrow and too uh, advanced for for Vince and everyone else to pick up. Who do we see going where? We've got the champions. Are they staying on on the brands? Are they swapping? What can we see? Uh, Reigns is I probably guess... going to stay on SmackDown because. You know he's Universal Champion, and SmackDown is on terrestrial TV network television. And I and I imagine that having the face of the company being the most accessible makes makes the most sense. What about you, Mark? Um, well, I can't see the women's championships changing hands because they're designated by the brand, right? So, hmm. um, but the the men's. I always associated the WWE title with Raw. I don't know why that is. I'm not sure if it's because it's the featured show, and it, in comparison, Universal tends to take a kind of a kind of back seat, but a seat to the left or a seat to the right. It's, not un- it's not, not unless you're Michael Cole, because at the last pay per view at Night of Champions, during mm-hmm. the intro, he actually said that Roman Reigns has the championship that is the most important championship in all of wrestling paraphrasing there but that's what he said and i sat here and i laughed my socks off thinking what a bunch of crap sorry just butt in there (laughs) so apparently there is something in the water that michael cole is drinking that (laughs) dictates um you know maybe uh something in his ear or someone telling him feeding them that so now if if reigns does go i don't want the storyline with uso to end and it may not, but maybe uh, Jey Uso also moves over. See, that's the thing that they've done in the past. It, it, it kind of grinds my gears the wrong way because I feel I feel like sometimes the the, the storyline is has played out, and to bring it over to the new brand seems mm-hmm. like see, why have the yeah. split. And the best well, part about, yeah. the, the mm. best idea about splitting them is that we can kind of have them away from each other for a while and kind of get to a point where where that matchup feels fresh again. So are yeah. they doing the draft, do you think, maybe too early? Should this have been closer to Survivor Series as opposed to... Maybe too late even because I feel like having having a brand that is solidified and unified going into survivor series is a better is better for the show especially if they're going to keep doing this brand warfare shtick mm. than than having the draft and then letting everyone kind of figure out where they fit in the new in the new show as the big lead up so like possibly it should have happened the night after night of champions because night of champions could have been the, the the last night with the champ all the championships were were available that night they've had their 
their feuds, their, their matches. The next night, the, the draft starts, and it's like a reset button. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it makes more sense to do it then, as you said, rather than right before Survivor Series, where <laughs> where brand supremacy reigns supreme. But if you've got new members on new on each brand and they're trying to forge a relationship or alliances or whatever else, it's going to look strange at least. Mm-hmm. It's going to be very rushed. WWE booking rushed. What are you drinking, mate? That's wrong. <laughs> Get out. Have, have we got any, any, uh, any? What's, where would you like people to be? So Mark seems to think that WWE Championship staying on Raw. Do we want the United, people from? Because so gone. The United States and Intercontinental Championship usually switch brands on draft yeah. night. Yeah. Yeah, and if that's the case, then I would like nothing else than for Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn to clash over the intercontinental. Yes, Ooh, yes, yes, yes. It's been how long? It's been at least what two years since mm. since they've 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 two wrestled. years, maybe three. Yeah, and yeah. I love both guys back from their PWG and Ring of Honor Man, days. That's a, that's a rivalries piece if I ever saw one. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> okay, you heard that here. Pete is covering that for us. As if it, as if it happens. As if it, as if it happens. We've, we yeah, it doesn't have, have to happen. It's not a never big cross. <laughs> yeah, even then, that's, yeah. Yeah, there's history there. There but we go. Yeah, out, of, out of everything that's that's happening over this draft, like weekend, so to speak, that's the one thing that I desperately want. I cannot wait. Them two, and and the roles reverse now. So obviously, like Sammy's the the heel, and, and Kevin Owens is the babyface. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is which is a great. Uh, that's just a great way to to breathe new life into this feud. Exactly, adds a new wrinkle to the story. It's it's good. If that's one thing. What about you, Mark? Have you got anything or anything anyone that you'd like to uh, see from either brand? Hmm, it's a good question. Uh, I, I'd like to see. Naomi utilized so I mean from the women's side I'd like her to move over to Raw and to be able to contend because it really doesn't seem like it's happening or she's being utilized I'm not sure if she's injured or if it's just a matter of use um, but that's something well she came back with a big fanfare and then that kind of died off well that was with Lacey Evans and then I really mm. didn't see very much of anything after that so I think um, the whole the whole women's division is just basically around just around Bailey and, and Sasha at the moment. Yeah, um, I'd like to see uh, Styles back on Raw. I think yeah. having a series, uh, a Drew McIntyre contending yes. for the title series. Yeah, yes, that um, that seems interesting. I think Strowman should maybe go to Raw too. Uh, yeah, I could see Do they going think back they, over. Could they kind of tap into that? I, I mean. I know I'm. I'm should probably shouldn't be bringing up Dabakato, but do they try to bridge Raw Underground? Unless that's like a not a concept, and yet it's maybe a rivalry there. Tries to potentially try to do something if he is there. Yeah. Potentially, uh, my, my. I mean, that's that's a lot more than I had for Dabakato, which was Dabakato to Raw with Shane McMahon as his manager. Hmm. Yeah, there is there is or well, there was rumors that Shane's got a more prominent role backstage i think that i think raw underground was his idea but with raw underground being kiboshed because of covid and everything else having him as 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 a manager that makes sense we haven't, mm-hmm. i haven't seen shane as a manager since well Never. he wasn't even really a manager he was he was used to accompany his old man to the ring back in the attitude era but yeah 
Yeah. But yeah, that would be again. That's a new wrinkle to to his bow, or a new string to his bow, and a wrinkle to the story. Um, <laughs> yeah, that that'd be great. Any tag teams you want to see split? <laughs> I can name one, just because I can't stand them. Which is Miz and John Morrison. I couldn't stand them the first time round. I detest them even more now. Is that is that a, a, a fault with them, or is that them doing their heel shtick too effectively? No, it's them. Right. It, uh, I, I can understand the. <laughs> <laughs> I can understand the. You're confident though, he says it. I can understand the heel, the heel shtick that they do. Totally understand it. I just don't like them together as a pairing. Mm. I thought Miz completely branched away from John Morrison back in the day and grew yeah. and grew and grew. Whereas he John did. Morrison kind of plateaued and stayed where he was, no That's matter really where he was. It. So it, John Morrison drags. Miz down. There we go. That's my mm, that's mm. my take. I, Going on record there. I don't want to see any tag teams get split up just because the tag division is so thin already. Well, Vince has got to save money, and you know he that's why he splits tag teams up because he doesn't want to pay people twice. Mm. <laughs> Seriously, that's why he does it. He doesn't want to pay people twice, double double money. So that's why he splits tag teams up, and that's why this, the division is crap again. Uh, and AEW's is is thriving, so there we and go. NXT's is thriving. So. Yeah, NXT. Yeah, NXT. It's, it's told you once you get up onto the main roster, you need to be uh, not in a tag team unless you're the Street Profits. They've done bloody well, to be fair. Mm-hmm. That's the draft done. Uh, if you've uh, this is obviously being recorded on the Thursday, so the day before, you'll be listening to this on the Sunday. Let us know if we were right, if we were wrong. If uh, who you'd like to see on on Monday night because that's happening the, the tomorrow as you're listening to it. If that makes sense, we're going to switch gears just a tad bit there, and we are going to go and talk about some past pieces that have been published on the site recently. Mark, what have you got for us today? You've got a, a couple of great pieces, haven't you? Uh, well, we have some wonderful pieces actually this past week, um, and Mike Bryan, who is uh, really branching out and really i think embracing our unsung heroes series of of pieces um that was one of them uh this past week where he had an opportunity to reflect on the life and times of brian pillman um from pillman's days in wcw to ecw to the wwe um or at the time was wwf and really everything he had contributed then uh pretty awesome stuff if you get a chance, uh, anyone hears thoughts when it comes to Brian Pillman? I've uh, had such a strong mind for the business. Really, the only the only downside that I could see with Brian Pillman is that there wasn't a lot he did that came across as flashy. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of like Austin Theory in that way. He's he doesn't do anything extraordinarily well, but everything he does looks really good. Right. Brian Pillman was light years ahead of his time. Yeah, in definitely. in terms of character development, the the loose cannon gimmick that he 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 had. I listened to the eighty three weeks podcast with Eric Bischoff, and I'm not too sure how much of this is is real and and hyperbole or not. But the he Eric Bischoff has said on record that he couldn't give Brian Pillman the money that he wanted. So go make your name elsewhere, and we'll, 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 when your name is in gold lights, 
we'll bring you back. And that's how this whole thing started. But then Brian used to phone Eric every one or two weeks, give him an update and ask, when's he coming back? And that's how the the rumour of him being a mole for Eric Bischoff began. Brian found out about it and <laughs> he played up to it. He, he incorporated it into his loose cannon gimmick and it so it was un, unheard of at the time. He another guy that was blurring the lines between between um, reality and, and fiction. Then you've got the home invasion storyline. Uh, again, being edgy way before edgy was even on TV. It was ah, oh, it was so damn good. And he said that's not even his bloody wrestling ability. It's part of the Hollywood Blondes with 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 Austin or Williams at the time to his matches with, with Liger it's just oh, a man who's in the, I don't think he gets enough credit for what he did in, in, the, in the industry agreed um, tag team work singles work uh, a lot of early 90s stuff that would probably fly under the radar of some but then you know when he had the motorcycle accident everything as a performer slows down you don't you can't jump as high you can't you don't have the mobility that you did, so you have to adjust your style. And unfortunately, later generations just, they ended up seeing this edgy character, but the quality of the performer was was affected. It was hampered a great deal. So being a part of something like the Hart Foundation, where he could still be that performer, but he's still part of a close-knit um, a family and part of something that, he did have genuine ties to is great. And his son has carried that on, right? Yeah, he's doing uh he's doing great guns in, in MLW. He's mm-hmm. uh he's been featured on AEW. Uh I I wanna see more of him. I can't yeah. not look at him and and, and re- see his dad. He's it's yeah. a spitting image, really is. Mm-hmm. But they're two True. totally different in ring performers, which is fantastic. So uh, your second piece. So it's interesting because in some ways they're both interconnected. So the piece that was about Brian Pillman was this past Monday, as we're recording this, October the 5th, which was the 23rd anniversary of his passing, which was also the same night as our next piece, which is an on this day, which is of the bad blood in your house pay-per-view, the Hell in a Cell match, Undertaker and Shawn Michaels, which was the debut of the Big Red Machine, Kane. Um, That's gotta be Kane! That's gotta be Kane! Everybody can say it. Say it proudly. (laughs) Um, Alice Podgorski, uh, once again, reflects back with this and the whole build-up to the feud between Shawn and Taker and then the debut of Kane and the story that was tied to it. And uh, somebody had, I read one comment because we had an opportunity to share it to some various Facebook groups. And they're saying, you know, this was one of those matches where, man, I can't just, uh, you know, when can this, you know, what's going to happen with this main event? Is it just kind of drag on? Is there, are we ever going to know what happens? And then bam, right at the end is when Kane's debut came. Everybody knew who he was. Nobody needed to introduce who he was. His arrival just, it was building. And that was when that storyline was kind of hitting that crescendo. 
And we saw bloodied and battered Shawn Michaels in that match too and beaten and and he ultimately wins it because of Kane's debut, but at the same time it was it's great. And a lot of people still consider it maybe the best Hell in a Cell match ever, despite the, I want to say theatrics, but the death-defying leaps and falls that, that Mick Foley suffered during his with The Undertaker. Is it the best Hell in a Cell match? Arguably, some will say yes. Certainly the one that uh, set the tone for everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Mick Foley's gone on record to uh, to say that he, when his match against Taker took place and he was talking to Taker about how they should have their match, apparently Taker was saying, well, you know, we'll, we'll try and do some of the stuff that I did with Sean. And Mick was like, yeah, but I'm not Sean. I can't do that. And, and that's how they, they came up with the starting on top of the cage and being thrown off. And after that, I mean, that's always going to be the, the most remembered Hell in a Cell, possibly one of the most remembered matches of all time, if you can call it a match. Yeah, but this the 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 Sean and, and Taker match at the time was absolutely mind blowing. I I think I watched this a few weeks later. I, I got hold of a tape over here. Uh, a friend of mine had recorded it off um, Sky Sky Box Office. It was or Sky Movies, one of the two. And right. I I borrowed the VCR and watched it. I was just amazed, absolutely amazed. The stuff that that Sean was doing that Taker was putting him through. And then, as you said, the, the storyline convergence at the end, it was the, the, the end of that storyline, and then it branched off into a new storyline. You know, again, we, we say we bang this drum every week, but, but long-term booking, it happened then. From that story, from the end of that story, we had Kane and, and Taker, and that lasted how many months? Because Taker refused uh, to even fight against his brother. It's, oh, it's a very memorable and well-deserved um, to be remembered match. No doubt. So from uh, some past pieces, we'll have some future pieces, or a future piece, I should say, in a few minutes or so. But before we get there, we are going to talk about AEW and what happened last night on Dynamite. Um, quite a few things happened on the show, Pete. Do you want to run through them? There was a lot that happened on AEW last night. We had uh, TF2 versus FTR for the 20-minute brush with greatness, uh, followed by Best Friends coming out to challenge for the World Tag Team Championships next week on Dynamite for their first anniversary show. Uh, We also had the tag team match everybody was waiting for in the main event, Chris Jericho and Jake Hager versus Dr. Luther and Serpentico. Uh, Chaos Project, I believe, is their their team name. That's yes, it is. Yeah. Yep. And more interestingly, the the championship that changed hands last night was uh, the TNT Championship. Cody defeated Brody Lee in the dog collar match. It was quite quite the bloody match if you've seen it. I haven't had the chance to watch it yet. I I will be watching it this weekend. Obviously, I I, I know what happens. Otherwise, we wouldn't be talking about it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I I like. A couple of throwbacks to the to the past here. There was obviously the dog collar match, which was a throwback back to Dusty's era, and a certain someone sitting out in the crowd, all by his lonesome, but someone that's interconnected with dog collar matches. Yes, the the uh, half of the one of the participants from that classic dog collar match between 
Roddy Piper and Greg Valentine, of course the the living half of that match, uh, was in the crowd for for this match between Cody and and uh, Brody Lee. Wow, seeing it all go down, and yeah, they 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 re- reached the requisite level of bloodshed for for a dog <laughs> collar match, especially considering the uh, that match they had in in Georgia Championship Wrestling. Excited to see Cody with the belt again. Didn't expect it to be this soon. Like I thought, yeah. I thought Brody Lee was gonna was gonna blow through people with the help of the Dark Order, and then Cody was gonna come back the the ah, what's the word vanquishing hero after after Full Gear. Oh, that's we spoke about this after Brody decimated Cody, and we we, we pretty much all said the same thing that we did. That's what we expected, mm-hmm. and. For the the title switch, it's a bit, as you said, a bit strange. What what? Where does this leave Brody? Is it the end of the feud? Does Brody, does Brody look forward and and take on Moxley or or Archer or whoever's got the title come full gear? It, it's very strange. So it, it, we just spoke about long term booking. How the end of that Hell in a Cell match set forward the Kane and Taker match. I, is there anything? to take out of this match i mean i know it's obviously i haven't seen the match but i've, I've read the, the results and apparently at the end of cody's little victory celebration orange cassidy came out and threw his hat in the ring yes it looked almost like cody was going to bring back the the open challenge oh uh, my god <laughs> I, I don't think he's gonna do that but i think he's still just trying to remind everyone that he is the fighting champion in the way, in a way that Brody Lee was was not, and so uh, Orange Cassidy, who just recently had a championship match last week, he had a match against Brody Lee, uh, came up short thanks to Dark Order interference, uh, and yeah, he came out to uh, almost almost as if to answer Cody's challenge, and he or it's uh, at uh, I guess to challenge Cody actually to the match next week. Cody accepted, so that is on the card. And my mom could not be more distraught if I asked her to to save one of her kids. <laughs> Cause she absolutely loves she absolutely loves Orange Cassidy, but she's she's come to really like Cody. She is going to be super torn next week then. Mm-hmm. Oh God. is is Orange Cassidy akin to is him contending for the TNT championship or in that conversation the same way maybe Darby Allen is with John Moxley and the AEW like do they have one character that is just shines a, a differently sparkles differently and that others warm themselves to whereas Orange Cassidy is part of that TNT title picture in in essence Whereas Darby Allen, he's I'm not saying he's a hanger arounder, but you know you've got him or Will Hobbs, or they're all being worked together as part of with John Moxley. It's almost like they're taking certain characters, and you're part of this grouping, and this you're part of this grouping, or is that just maybe my that's, that's a good shout. That's a good shout. Yeah, because... it's definitely an interesting way to look at the way they're going about booking. I mean, you've 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 said there about. Will Hobbs and Darby Allen kind of you they're using John Moxley's spotlight to highlight them and 
yeah. maybe push them up the card a bit. And Look with what... Orange, Orange has sort of flirted with the top of the cards with, with um, Jericho. Mm-hmm. And now they're going to try and use Cody to <sighs> to elevate the... him in a bit more. Yeah, at the very least, they have a big push in mind for Orange Cassidy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you've got people like Mick Foley coming out and saying that Orange Cassidy is one of the best things on on AEW, you, you've got to try and strike while the iron's hot, and it, they're doing a doing a bloody good job, to be fair. Mm-hmm. But that character that character needed to evolve a little bit. There's only so much of the nonchalant "I don't care," whereas there has to be a fire lit under them. He might have those the comical moments, but I think where long term, where the hate came for for Orange Cassidy was you either like the comedy or you don't. And the comedy is great, but is the comedy going to be what sustains your character long term for you to want to take you seriously, for you to be the champion? Like, can I could honestly see him carrying a title and just kind of like dragging it behind him kind of thing. Like he's almost NATO-esque, right? Mm-hmm. Where the nonchalant, I mean, that could work where he weaves the two, but there has to be a switch that went off. And Jericho brought that switch out in, in Cassidy. Yeah, certainly did. He uh, he he brought the, the, the bubbling tension and, and desire of not being wronged once more to the surface do do you guys did you guys ever watch uh shikara i don't even know if we're going to talk about this or leave this in the pod because of what shikara's hat turned into but orange cassidy i think was was he fire ant yep yeah, yeah he was fire ant so he he has learnt for so long how to react and give emotion without using facials he's he, he that's how that that's why orange cassidy works so well because he spent so many years as fire ant learning how to do all that that he can now take the mask off and be as nonchalant as ever but still get his character over mm-hmm. that's the way i see it anyway that's a great he's he's amazing the lack of quotes effort that he puts into his promos or his demeanor and yet, he is one of the major, brightest things going on in AEW at the moment. It's, it's just outstanding. I feel, in some ways, that there's that there could be, in some ways, a a link between the character of Orange Cassidy and that kind of underhanded babyface character that Eddie Guerrero had in his later years in WWE. <laughs> Because I remember the debate between him and Jericho. I think that they should have insinuated that that question about the environment where Orange Cassidy opened up and and gave a really robust and and, uh, uh, articulate answer was something that he slipped in himself. Just as that one thing to make him look good and, and get one over on on Jericho because that seems kind of like that time Eddie I think he he swapped his number in the Royal Rumble with Ric Flair or (laughs) or like other times he had done stuff that gave him an upper hand but he did so in in kind of an underhanded way 
but you know, instead of instead of Orange Cassidy doing it because he's trying to lie, cheat, and steal his way to the top, he just does it because he's lazy. Yeah, <laughs> and he that's a great way to look at it. It's easier to to give yourself a little a little something going in than than to have to fight for it the whole. Yeah, that's that's a very good analogy. Very good. <laughs> Like it. <laughs> we missed you, Eddie. We miss you. We do. And your inspiration. Uh, I, 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 we should make probably note of that. Um, Pete stated that I'm not sure if it was, maybe if it was off, off recording, but maybe on. Eddie was one of his favorites. Yeah. When his passing happened. Yep. So it's not a coincidence that you can see that comparison because yeah. you're, and uh, it's a reflection of the fandom in you. Yeah, I think that was I think that was in the uh, the episode that got eaten by the uh... oh yeah. So the lost episodes. We should have the lost episodes as a as an episode. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not. I think I've still got the lost episode somewhere. I'm not sure. <laughs> I might just go look for it. We get enough get enough requests. We'll, uh, we'll pro wrestling we'll post podcast underground. <laughs> oh God! Oh, no. I was thinking I was thinking pro wrestling <laughs> post podcast at night. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, after dark yeah oh my after so indeed. we were uh uh talking about Brody lee earlier mm-hmm. uh where does he go from this i think that he is going to insinuate himself into the aew number one contendership tournament i think you're you're bang on there he's he's had the mid-level gold and if he's going to keep the dark order in check he's going to need to be seen and very proactively heading up and the only way up is obviously for the title and what better way than forcing himself into that tournament i think you yeah you've hit the nail on the head there i think and i've also segued us into talking about the aw number one contendership tournament oh man i'm impressed i've got such a smile on my face so this this tournament that was announced last week uh, there's been another three names announced last night. Do you want to uh, do you want to do the honors, Pete? We we haven't even mentioned the f- first three names, haven't uh, we? N- no, I think no, we didn't. We, have, we were we didn't. going oh. to talk about we didn't. We yeah, we, we didn't were meant to talk that. about AW last week, folks, but it got dropped due to time constraints. So we'll catch you up right now, Pete. Go. Last week they announced uh, Jungle Boy, Ray Phoenix, and Kenny Omega. This week, they uh, announced Colt Cabana, Wardlow, and Hangman Adam Page. Anyone with some thoughts off the top of their head? Kenny Omega, uh, obviously, and Adam Page is where your eyes are drawn straight away mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. after their... Um, well, it wasn't even really unceremonious split. It was just uh, it was just Kenny walking away. Uh, it's not really been spoken about since. They are going to have to face each other at some point during this tournament, possibly in the first round. Uh, yeah, I imagine oh. that being a finals thing. That's if Brody Lee doesn't get in, because then, as I said, Brody Lee's got to look strong, so he's got to get at least to the final to carry on looking strong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I would, I would have them meet now, and then Kenny would do some kind of not shenanigans, but he'll be completely nasty and get grabbed away in that way and send Handman back to the bar. Sinking some more whiskey. I, and... I, I'm in agreement. Very uh, uh, vis-a-vis Kenny versus Hangman, just because I like. I think Kenny does better as a heel, just because he has that. He does that 
that thing where he behaves like like every bully from a movie in the 80s <laughs> and yeah. it's it's just perfect he's got the face for it he's got the the attitude for it really it's it's better than a kind of bland i like video games thing that he's got had going on as a baby face we've it we've is seen surprising. that it is surprising that when when aw launched he was that character he was apparently himself where whereas he wasn't the cleaner or the best bout machine he was he was just kenny and it didn't feel right because as you said when he is the heel and he's playing like that 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 jock kind of heel he is so damn good and mm-hmm. to see him heading down that route fills me with joy yeah especially when the young bucks are acting the way uh yeah we have, we haven't even mentioned the young bucks and they're is it a it's are they turning or is it them just being obnoxious punks? I I think those are the same that's the same concept. <laughs> I think they they're turning and they're turning into obnoxious punks and it's because they have the money to pay off all of the all of the fines that uh Tony Khan levels at them. I love that. I love that by the way. They're just super kicking people and just dropping some 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 notes saying, "Yeah, fair enough. There's my fine money. I love that." Mhm. Mhm. Because it just reminds me of like all the times we've seen sports figures get into trouble and just pay off these fines like they're nothing. Yeah. Back to the tournament. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do we have some? Do we have some predictions for first round matches other than Kenny versus Hangman? I can see. Looking at actually, better question: Who do we else, else do we think is going to be in the tourney? Well, I think the discussion was about Brody Lee, and so if Brody Lee is going to be added, a Brody Lee Colt Cabana altercation is just as well to happen too mm-hmm. well that's the thing yeah. about tournaments is that you can you can build so many storylines out of it yeah 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 you know does luchasaurus join the ranks does he do you have division amongst uh, jurassic express another big man that can move i've got a sneaking suspicion that that you will have wardlow and jungle boy paired up in a match and then wardlow's gonna not decimate but he's gonna it's going to do some harm to Jungle Boy, which would then bring in Luchasaurus, and it'd be big guy against big guy. Somewhere yeah. down the line. Because uh, because Wardlow hasn't done anything. <laughs> he's had one match, as far as I can think of, he's had one match, that cage match with, with Cody. I think he's had a couple more matches on Dark. And uh, at, the very least, at the very least, he's had a handful of squashes on, on Dynamite. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he's he's just been... Dragging MJF's coattails. Could MJF enter the tournament as well? I mean, he's he's looking for another way in, or is he too busy trying to get into the inner circle? Uh, maybe he'll use that as uh, as leverage to get into the inner <laughs> at Sammy's expense. So uh, this week that's... was this week was funny to see the birthday gift and yes, with well, all... the anniversary yeah. gift. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we should we should talk a little bit about Chris Jericho's thirtieth anniversary selling. I, f- I think we should. I mean, he's, he is one of the one of the goats of, of the industry, and uh, yeah, I haven't seen it yet. So hearing this was going to be news to me. But yeah, let's go. So yeah, he uh, gave a speech about his his thirty years in the industry. Then MJF came out to to pay his respects to Jericho, and uh, gave him a present, a great big portrait of MJF himself. <laughs> 
<laughs> had to be, didn't it? <laughs> I had a I had an aunt that did that once for my grandparents. Luck. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Her Christmas gift was a picture of herself. <laughs> so my grandmother looks at it and said, "Is the gift behind the frame?" <laughs> Burn. <laughs> I can't even make that up, man. That's just funny. So yeah, the the gift was a big framed picture of of MJF, which Jericho promptly smashed over the head of the guy who was holding it, uh, proclaiming that he doesn't like uh, portraits or clowns. And yeah, they had their little standoff before backing off, claiming, "Yeah, you're all right." And then my favorite part of the episode, or at least like my favorite gag they've ever done on dynamite was play a sound alike of the saturday night live end theme and roll credits but all the credits were chris jericho Jericho. i've seen that gif yeah i saw that on twitter today that's that looks good (laughs) so so was the jab the comment about not liking clowns or portraits a jab to when he dressed like doink and when he did the gift of a portrait of himself to Kevin Owens is that like yes a, because a jab, he's a direct jab because he's already done uh I think it was this around this time last year uh no actually it would have been would have been closer to December he came out with a uh, on dynamite with a list of the people that he didn't want to wrestle anymore in 2019 <laughs> and people were chanting list of Jericho and he told them to shut up because it's 2019 and he doesn't do that anymore did it, did it sound like lazy booking or something? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. No, no, it was just, it wasn't like a, a you're a, you just made the list again. It was, no, it was just a list for that moment. And, <laughs> and he called them out as like, no, don't, that's not what we're doing here. <laughs> Though um... I liked, I liked that, that, that segment was kind of a, a hybrid of, of the list of Jericho and the list of a thousand and four holds. Considering he kept naming Moxley. <laughs> anyway. Oh, I'll be I'll be looking forward. Uh, I'll be watching that this. Uh, it'll be tomorrow by the time I get around to watching it, as I'm about two days behind everyone else at the moment. But yeah, I've, I'm gonna watch that with bated breath and can't wait to see this this celebration at the end. Uh, anything else in the world of AEW? We we kind of glossed over. Uh ideas for the, the the first round matches we did we were sort of cut off to to jericho there um first round matches before we, we started recording folks pete in the the super secret discord chat shared an image <laughs> of hangman page's statement about joining the contenders and in it he talks about colt cabana and how he doesn't like him um if you can go to Page's Twitter and just just read the statement. It is proper hilarious. Could we see Colt Cabana with some Dark Order help against I don't know, probably like Ray Phoenix, start a, a, a you know a Lucha Bros or Lunch Bros if you read the statement uh, against Dark Order down the line? Uh, I still think that the Lucha Bros are tied up in their own heel storyline. What with uh, them joining forces with Eddie Kingston and the Butcher and the Blade, so for them to turn around and be mm. play play babyface to to the Dark Order seems kind of like a step back. Yeah, be too much of an about turn, really, wouldn't it? Uh, but if you were gonna say like 
like Colt Cabana versus Jungle Boy, or or even Colt Cabana versus Wardlow. I think I think that the time for Colt Cabana to be holding main event titles has kind of come and gone, and he mm-hmm. might just be there to to put someone over convincingly. And mm-hmm. yeah, definitely, he's definitely got that kind of feel, that vibe that uh, Colt's just there to unfortunately make someone look good going into the next round. What about you, Mark? You got any ideas? Um, I like those suggestions. I'm almost kind of wondering with some of the teams that they split up, like why not why not a Pentagon? Why is he not part of this? Is there an injury that they've talked about or is it just because I, I think I'm... they don't want to have I don't think they don't want to have tag teams uh, like an active tag team fighting each other in this tournament. Yeah. Yeah, we can see that. Well, I mean, Pentagon Jr., I, I guess I, I look at the Lucha Underground and where he was there and how he was so prominent and how oh, yeah. he held the title and how that character was so built up. Why aren't we getting that opportunity to see that transition here mm-hmm. and how you pull in that a really strong, dominant Latin character that has that dark edge to it, that has all of those things... Uh, also contending, no knock against Ray Phoenix, but at the same th- time, I think aesthetically, you you can get what Ray Phoenix looks like and put that in the cosmetic or aesthetic look of Pentagon because all those skills and the catchphrase and all of that is all tied into it, right? So it's mm-hmm. marketable. Mm-hmm. But I think ultimately, like like at this point, I'm I'm surprised that the Lucha Brothers have only really, really had their one shot at the championship. Yeah, mm, they, yeah. They, and it was a standout match. Yeah, very. Like it, it was. It was the the tournament finals, wasn't it? For the initial, for mm-hmm. the uh, yeah. As far as my picks for first round, it's probably gonna be probably gonna be a whole bunch of big guys. Yeah, you know, yeah. you're gonna have maybe Kenny versus Ray, maybe maybe Hangman versus Jungle Boy. Actually, no, it's probably gonna be Wardlow versus Jungle Boy. I think that's a yeah. That's a way you can start into a Wardlow versus Luchasaurus. See. Where Mark, you had said, you know, Brody Lee has to make it to the finals for it to be taken seriously. I think him not winning puts his leadership in doubt of the Dark Order, and people start to second guess and question him. Is it too no, early it, to sow those seeds? Well, it. I, I well, we look at it this way, right? She he he lost a title after defending it a couple of times. Now he's in a tournament. He loses the tournament. Do you plant seeds towards something that happens next year, or is it taught? Is is it laid and you you work your way there? Maybe it is. Maybe it is too early to do that. Uh, maybe conceptually, the idea is something they're floating. The but only reason and- I sorry, the only reason I say that is because I don't see anyone else in the Dark Order strong enough, as in character wise, to stand up to him just yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I could see, I could see where you're going with it, and if we're going down the long-term booking, that that would be the start of it. But at the moment, Evil Uno, Grayson are not strong enough characters to stand up against Brody Lee at the moment, unless they they start recruiting again and bring in a Hangman Page that was hinted yeah. at things like things like that. So is is Cody? Is, sorry, is Colt? Standing up toward low, not an option. Does that not have legs? The way I see Colt Cabana's role in the Dark Order is that he is Brody Lee's pet. 
Yeah, he's he gets... the he's the big name that they're gonna treat nicely and yeah. and show all this respect to get all the the younger guys who are who are struggling into their ranks. Yeah, because that's, hey, that's the way. Yeah, he's, of... he's getting away with so much, and because he's his little pet project. That makes sense. So that brings to a a close our AEW section. We're re- nearly heading to the go home, but before we do. Let's go back to Mark. We've got a couple of future pieces coming up. And staying on the AEW theme, we've got uh, a roster profile from one of their newest roster members. Yes. Uh, the best man, Kip Sabian's best man, Miro, uh, formerly the Bulgarian brute, Rusev. Uh, don't call him Alexander. Uh, he is now part of AEW. Jake Landmesser um, will have this week's profile on his career, where he's been, how he's come to be, and now the opportunity with him now in AEW. Different look, uh, slender, but uh, excited about what the the possibilities will be for Miro moving forward. Did you see him and Kip Sabian in the crowd for Dynamite? Mm, no, I missed that. They, they had a Street Fighter machine. <laughs> they were playing Street Fighter while the wrestling show was going on. Were they? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, all right. I'll keep my eyes peeled for that tomorrow. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's cheating me go right back up. And watch that. <laughs> so, kind of wondering how the is his introduction going to be similar to how John Morrison was, where he's brought in as part of a tag team. Will Miro eventually branch off? Will he be just a tag team? What what's the role for him going to be like? So he's too big of a name to be, and I love Kip Sabian because he's he's a good dude. I, I kind of know him, and he's a, a fellow Brit. But Miro is a bigger name. I can't see him being saddled with Kip mm-hmm. for too long. Yeah, I feel like there's going to be some big reveal at Kip and Penelope Ford's wedding. Yeah, he becomes the worst man. Maybe he's <laughs> cheating on. He 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 sewed his lats of oats or something. He's ruined. <laughs> had a wedding ruined for him. He's gonna ruin somebody else's. I don't know. Oh man! But yeah, the uh, the piece from Jake I've quickly scanned. I've, I haven't really read much of it, but I had a quick peek, and it's very. It goes into detail about his his childhood back in Bulgaria, and how he got himself over to to the states. Very eye opening. I can't wait for you, for you lot out there to read it. It were uh, it's got lots of stuff there about Rusev that you you may not know about. I certainly didn't, so that's something definitely to look forward to. That will be out sometime in the coming week, and we have got one more for uh, another fellow Brit, I think. Yes, when we initially came up with the concept of unsung heroes, we looked at people that fall under the radar, are really good, but do they ever get the attention? to be heralded as much as they should be. And one of the people that I had thought of months and months and months ago was Gentleman Chris Adams, the late Gentleman Chris Adams, who many will credit with being the originator of the super kick, which in some regards, people despise the move because now it's used so often. But when it was first, when it was first, uh, was originated or when it came about, he's often credited with it and that's when looking at his martial arts background ties into that 
he's often credited with training and developing so many young stars. So how he's offering feedback and how he's helping to make others better was always something that he was tied to. Um, and the late gentleman, Chris Adams is our next unsung hero um, from everything to his time with Gino Hernandez to his work in WCW to work in the eighties and nineties. He was often considered a teacher and this talks about his career and all of its attributes and successes. So uh, I'm excited to read that because I, I first heard or I first learned about Chris Adams when I read Stone Cold Steve Austin's autobiography Mm-hmm. And basically, every time I've heard about him since, I've learned something new. Yeah. I remember watching Chris Adams on World of Sport over here. My nan, who I used to watch World of Sport with, she used to talk about him. And it wasn't until Chris's brother, Neil, uh, he won, I think he won a gold medal for judo at the Olympics. I want to say it was the 88 Olympics. Yeah. yeah. And he became like a, a major face over here for a year or two and he always used to pop up on children's TV shows and I remember one time he used to talk about his brother Chris and I spoke to my nan and she was like yeah 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 he's, he was like the wrestler he's now gone to America for love nor money I couldn't find out where the hell Chris Adams was and it wasn't until he popped up in WCW that I, I've got hold of my nan again and I was like is this the same Chris Adams yeah yeah that's the one and she was like oh no I don't like him now it's too Americanized because obviously it's sports entertainment and not mm-hmm. lost his uh, world of sport ways but I remember watching him in WCW and thinking, wow, you know, this guy was over here. This guy was is a Brit. He's he's now flown over there. He's made it big. You know, anyone can do it from over here. So he's he's the one that opened my eyes to, you know, it be done. The one feud that he was part of that I think a lot of fans, I guess in the, the mid-Atlantic, early NWA tied years would be when him and Gene, the late Gino Hernandez were together as the dynamic duo and they would feud with the Von Eriks. And part of it was they, they had this hair match where him and Gino were shaved bald. And these guys that had this, these long flowing locks back then it was, it, it was their hair was everything. It was part of the sports car it was part of the look. It was part of everything. So I mean, today it might be thought of as like, okay, you lose your hair. Like, I shave my hair every day. It's not a big deal. But back then, it was just didn't do it. Just didn't touch. It was part of my character. It's who I am. And to have that happen. So if anyone ever gets a chance, look up the feud with the dynamic duo and the Von Erickson. You will see so much when it comes to back and forth. There was a Dark Side of the Ring episode on Gino Hernandez. And... Chris Adams is brought up in that as well. And you'll hear a little bit about uh, the rivalry that happened in that storyline too. So if you get a chance, season one of Dark Side of the Ring does mention Chris Adams and does talk about him a little bit. And so you'll see that. So yes, that folks. should be coming out this week. Yep, sometime this week. Keep your eyes peeled. Obviously check our socials, which we'll plug in a moment. But that will be up on the site sometime this week. And that is that, folks just the uh a smaller episode this week because we realized what we've been going over our allotted times basically uh so before we go let's do our usual goodbyes pete give us your socials read my feature 
Brace for Impact every Monday on the Pro Wrestling Post website. You can find me on Twitter at Pete Probably. And you can find me in a chamber under Al Kazna at Petra and Jordan, along with a bunch of other Pete Moons and a really old knight who urges you to choose wisely. <laughs> I am just as confused as you guys are. So, <laughs> Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. See, I was going to say that, and I thought that's not right. It's the old guy in the t- yeah, in the- yeah, yeah. When, he's, when he's choosing the Grail. Yeah. See, I. I- Oh, man. I should have kept my mouth shut. Um, okay, Mark, where are you? Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter at the Mark Madison. Um, that is my personal Twitter handle. Or you can find our site Twitter handle at Pro Wrestling PST or on Instagram at Pro Wrestling Post. You can find us there. And unlike the 80s Cobra Kai heel of which... Kenny Omega is. I will graciously be your Daniel Larusso. So there you go. So as we're, as we're on the eighties vibe, I'm going to steal Pete's Pete's finish there and say just before or just after I finish up here, I'm going to go and watch Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Um, you can find me. It's a great movie. I went to the cinema to see that. That's how old I am. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Mark Blake PWP, and you can find the pod's Twitter itself at pwp underscore pod where more things will be retweeted and silly gifs and other wrestling related jollities so until then until then no or even until next week we shall speak to you again from me mark adios ciao hoil fire <laughs>